You're listening to the Cornerstone Word of Life Church podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's teaching. For more information on our church, please visit cwol.org. Hallelujah. Well, I was going uh, a particular direction tonight. I was going to uh, do uh, a third message on a speaking kingdom. And uh, I had, uh, was about halfway through it. And so this morning I came in a little early to pray and get in the presence of God. And it just didn't solidify. So I spent some time praying. And uh, I had it in my heart. Uh, Pastor always wants us to do uh, what he calls the uh, on the wall prayer at least once a quarter. And so for this quarter, we hadn't, had not done one. And uh, so I was sitting and uh, just praying, getting ready for noon prayer today. And uh, the Lord said, do it tonight. I went, well, that's a novel idea. So, uh, so that's what we're going to do tonight. We're going to do it on the wall. And you might say, what's on, on the wall? So let's turn to Isaiah 60, verse 6. I don't know. I might need a windscreen or something, guys. I put it up a little further, but that's popping. All right, so Isaiah 60, verse uh, 6, and it says, I have set watchmen on your walls, O Jerusalem. They shall never hold their peace day or night. You who make mention of the Lord, do not keep silent and give uh, him no rest till he establishes and until he makes Jerusalem a praise in the earth. So his, um, God's purpose is to make Jerusalem a praise in the earth, and uh, he has a plan, he has a purpose. So when we come together in on the wall, what we're doing is we're praying on the plans and purposes of God. Either for Cornerstone World Life Church, or we veil ourselves to him, we can pray for things around the world that he wants us to pray regarding, uh, things regarding the government, our pastors, and different things like that. So, um, so he was in, pastor was in a, a time of prayer one time, and the Lord gave him this and told him to, for us to have a corporate time where we come together and we pray on the plans and purposes of God uh, as a corporate body together. And so... I'm sorry, Wesley, I'm moving this down again. Um, and so that's what we're going to do tonight. But I'm going to teach you a little bit and give you a little bit of context of what we're going to pray on, and then we'll, uh, we'll go um, into that. So um, as I was preparing for noon prayer today, uh, the Lord had us pray regarding ministry gifts. And since I uh, come into uh, the body of Christ, I... I rededicated my life to the Lord when I was in, in 1984. And since then, part of the assignment on my life is to pray for ministry gifts. And uh, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, and it gives us a list what those ministry gifts are. And so uh, here it says Ephesians 4, 11, and he gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. And in the Greek, it says it this way. And he himself gave some indeed to be apostles, indeed to be prophets, indeed to be evangelists, indeed to be pastors and teachers. So when Jesus ascended and went to the Father on high, he left these gifts for us so that we could grow up in the body, that we, um, you know, not be carried off with uh cunningness and craftiness and that kind of thing with every wind of doctrine that comes through the body of Christ and uh, that kind of thing. So to grow us up in the things of him. And so with that, uh, in praying for um, ministry gifts, you know, and the Lord gives us leaders. He gives us uh, people that are over us in the Lord. One, to, uh, because they carry the vision of what God wants to do. So here at Cornerstone World of Life Church, Pastor Mark and Pastor Rana are the visionaries of this church. Uh, when God uh, has something he wants to do, he gives it to them. He puts it in their heart to do. And then uh, the other thing is to give direction and bring order. That, uh, that's another thing that leaders do. So they give us a vision. They give us direction. They bring order to things. And so uh, they lead us in the body of Christ. And so you might think, we pray a lot around here about ministry gifts. Why are we doing that? Because they are the leaders. They're the ones that are out front. They're the ones that are out ahead. You know, I was thinking about this today as I was preparing this and thinking about the Old West. I wasn't a part of the Old West. 
But when they were pioneering in the Old West, there was, they ran through difficulty as they were making a way because the way was not made. And as they were making the way, they encountered all kinds of uh, opportunities and difficulties and situations and things that, that came up against them. A lot of people in uh, Pioneer in the West lost their lives in the process. And so you think about that people who are heads of ministry. If the devil wanted over in Matthew 9, it talks about Jesus looked over the multitude. And he said, I, um, he looked at them and he had compassion on them. And he said he looked at them as sheep having no shepherd. Why? They had no leader. They had no one to give them direction. They had no one to care for them. They had no one to look after them. And so if you wanted to scatter the body of Christ, what do you do? You take out the leader. We saw a lot, I may be dating myself again, but in the 1980s and early 90s, we saw a lot of ministers fall. And um, a lot of it was of their own making, so to speak, and decisions that they made and different things like that. But with that, the people that they uh, shepherded or the people who they were the visionaries over, a lot of them scattered. And so the reason why we pray for them is one, so they walk in the plan and purposes of God, that they do the will of God, that they, uh, in uh, Philippians 2.13, it says that God is working in them to will and to do of his good pleasure. When they want to do wrong, God's working in them to do what he wants them to do. Jesus says, my meat is to do the will of the Father and to finish his work. And so uh, uh, as they start out in doing the will of God, we don't want them to just start. We want them to finish what they're doing. And one of the reasons why we pray for them is I'm hungry to see the will of God done. Not only just in my life, but what God wants done in the earth is a bigger picture than just me. He wants me to be fulfilled. He wants the plan and purpose of my life to be fulfilled, yes. But he has a greater scheme and a greater plan than just that. Amen. Hallelujah. It's part of that. What I do is part of that. What you do is part of that. But the greater is God's plan and purpose. And the greatest is he wants people born again. He wants people healthy and whole and walking in their redemptive rights right here on the earth. Amen. And so that's why we pray for them. So that the body of Christ is not scattered. Hallelujah, having no, uh, a sheep having no shepherd. Hallelujah. And so, uh, in some of the things in looking at or praying for these particular ministry gifts, and what I've been, I've uh, had on my heart a lot lately, is praying for revelation for them. That, you know, uh, the last 18 months or so, we've been through something that's unprecedented that we've not been before, been through before, at least our generation, we've not uh, encountered a worldwide pandemic and, uh, and all the ripple effects thereof. And so a lot of them, a lot of pastors, even though some of them are still standing, even though some of them are still forging ahead, they've been through a lot. You might say, well, I've been through a lot too. Well, it's all not about you. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. If they're going to lead us into the next thing that God has for us, we need to pray for them. Amen. Then know the next step. And so today at noon prayer, one of the things that we did, we, we prayed for the next three, the next six, the next nine months for our pastors and for minister gifts in the body of Christ to know what to do. Because a lot of them don't know what to do right now. They don't know where to put their foot next. And I know with pastors, you know, during this whole time, there have been some landmines that have come up. And they've had to get with the Holy Ghost in order to know how to sidestep some of those landmines to, to get past that to what God wants them to do. And they've needed help in doing that. They needed the help of the Holy Spirit. Aren't you glad? We sang about him tonight. Aren't you glad you have the helper on the inside, the counselor, the guide, the standby, the strengthener, the advocate on the inside of you to help you in times where you don't know what to do. And if we don't know what to do in our life, think about, think about them trying to uh, navigate and go forward with this bunch. Everybody got their own opinions. <laughs> How things ought to be done. But you're not sitting in the chair they're sitting in. Yes, sir. 
You don't see what they see. You don't know what they know. You don't know who they have to deal with and uh, who they're ministering to and all of that. Well, I think, pray. Pray. Hallelujah. Sorry, I didn't mean to go there, but praise the Lord. You're welcome. <laughs> but praying for revelation for them to know what to do next. Where to put their foot next. Uh, you know, uh, buildings and lands and, uh, you know, how to go forward. What to do. How far out ahead do we do things? Uh, if we're going to step out in this, you know, how is that going to be? Uh, you know, all kinds of things. Knowing what to do. And thank God we have the Holy Spirit to help us in that. And so praying for ministry gifts, praying for the apostle, praying for the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor and teacher. You know, the, uh, 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 the apostle is a sent one. God sent them to a particular area or sent them with a particular message. A lot of times in that particular office, they start churches or start works. And uh, they're pioneers. They go to a region, go to an area, and they start works where there have not been any. And it's not always easy uh, to go leave your home and go to places in foreign lands or go to somewhere or city that you don't know. Prophets, you know, they speak for God. And we're going to talk about that particular office here in just a minute. Pastors, again, have, can you imagine Moses? They said that the, the group that came out of Egypt was anywhere between three and six million people. You're talking about opinions. Hallelujah. <laughs> no wonder he, on one day, wants to kill him. And God said, no, we can't do that. And then God says, no, I'm going to wipe him out. I'm going to start over with you. And Moses said, you can't do that. That's a lot of people to navigate. <laughs> and they loved them leeks and onions in, in Egypt. They wanted to go back. You know, I was thinking about this um, in their cry, it says uh, in Exodus, and the Lord said this to Moses. He said, the cry from Egypt has come up before me, and I want to send them a deliverer. And he's going to send Moses. The cry, the cry of them has come up before me. I, I was sitting there thinking that in their cry, they probably weren't thinking to leave Egypt. They were thinking about God delivering them where they were. Isn't that something? I never really thought about that. They were sitting there meditating on that today. That they were probably thinking right here in Goshen, right here where we've been for 400 years, we're comfortable. It's what we know. It's familiar. Uh, a lot of our generations have been born and raised here. You know, they're not thinking about leaving. And God sends them a deliverer that they asked for. But the answer to their deliverance was to leave Egypt. Leave them leeks and onions. Leave them frogs. Lice and locusts and whatever else. So they, they're, they're in their mindset and in their thinking is God deliver us from right. It never even occurred to them to think anything different. So you got mindsets that you're dealing with. God says the deliverance looks like this. And he sent someone to lead them out. But in their mindset, we want deliverance right here. We've been in a pandemic for the last 18 months or so. There's, a, there's another side to this. We're not camping here. <laughs> We're not staying here in this place. Just settling in and if I don't go out of my house and, you know, I ordered, you know, I just even heard, recently heard a story that uh, a pastor on the West Coast, he had um, a couple in their church that when the pandemic hit, they, uh, <laughs> They locked down in their home, and they ordered uh, their groceries, they ordered their food, and they ordered their prescriptions, and they never had any human contact with anybody outside of their home. And they both died with COVID. Fear. 
John G. Lake says, when someone starts operating in fear, their pores start opening up to receive the disease. So we're not going to hunker down here in this place and see if we can ride this thing out. There's a way through this. And one of the things the Lord said to us, and we were beginning, in the beginning of all this, Lord, uh, Pastor had us all pray, uh, pray daily and uh, two times a day there for a while. And one of the things the Lord said to us, that it was important for the sheep to hear their pastor's voice because he would lead them in, through, and out of this. In, through it, not let's camp, let's put up a tent, <laughs> let's get comfortable, settle in, but out of it. And they need to know how to do that. Hallelujah. Are y'all all right tonight? Y'all yeah. very quiet. It's going to be okay. Praise the Lord. All right. So ministry gifts. So we're going to pray around that. But one particular ministry gift I want to talk to you about tonight because we got somebody coming. Dr. Mary Francis is coming two weeks from this Sunday uh, to minister here. She's been here times before. And um, so it uh, just come up in my heart today that even though uh, some of us have been around her ministry and we've been around the Office of Prophet, that, uh, you know, just to refresh us how that ministry gift operates so we can get the maximum out of her when she's here and uh, we can receive the maximum of what God wants to do in the midst of us um, while we're here. So uh, we're going to look at the Office of Prophet just a little bit. This is one of my favorite areas to, to minister on. Uh, and um, so let's, let's start. So I'm going to be a little bit of uh, Rick Renner here for a minute, all right? <laughs> and so with the office, what is the office of prophet? And so the word prophet in the Greek is proteus, and it means anyone who is a voice piece or a portal for the spiritual realm. So that means that you can be on God's side and you can be on the devil's side. And I remember in the Old Testament, there were prophets of Baal. So there can be good prophets, true prophets, but they're also false prophets. And so they have access or a voice piece, or they are a voice piece or a portal to the spiritual realm. Uh, in the Greek, this proteus is a compound word, and it means pro-theming, meaning to say or to speak. To say or to speak. So the ministry of the prophet is to speak. It is a speaking gift or speaking um, uh, uh, a vocal gift. It means, uh, this word prophemi means, and there's a four-part meaning of this word, and we're going to break it down and look at it real quick. It means before, in front of, on behalf of, in advance of. It means before, in front of, on behalf of, in advance of. So let's look at the first one. Prophemi he speaks before the presence of the Lord. So one of the workings of the office of prophet is to speak before the presence of the Lord. So first and foremost, the prophet is to go into the presence of God, to go in and, and speak with God and, and minister to him and wait on him and receive of him and talk with him. That's first and foremost, their primary ministry is to talk to God. And, uh, and they are going to speak and they are going to minister, but their number one um, part of their ministry or position of their ministry is to go before the Lord. And we're going to look at here just a little bit that if they don't go before the Lord, they don't have anything to say. Because the prophets speak by inspiration, by divine utterance. And so if they don't go before the Lord, so they're going before him, they're going to tune their ears to, his, to hear him. They're going to, his eyes are going to be open to see, perhaps through a dream or a vision or what have you, um, receive a, a prophetic word before he rushes out of the presence of God. So uh, a prophet, he speaks before the presence of the Lord. So that word prophemi, he seeks clarification in the presence of the Lord and making sure he understands God's message and not just his message and, and what he wants to say. So the prophet just can't say whatever he wants to say. Actually, you don't want one 
that says whatever they want to say. <laughs> you want one that has gone before the Lord and sought the Lord and been in the presence of God. Okay, the second application of prophemy, and that word prophemy, P-R-O, and then the next word is P-H-E-M-I, prophemy. So the second application of that, first, to go before the Lord, the presence of the Lord. Second, speaking in front of people. So the second application of this prophemy is to, um, to speak in front of people. So once they've spent time in the presence of the Lord, speaking with the Lord, there's part, the next part is, is to stand before people. And this describes the ministry of the prophet in front of people. So they go into the presence of the Lord, find out what the Lord wants to say, uh, spend time with him, waiting on him, and then they go before the people. So they're spending time in his presence, not just for him, which is an application for personal ministry and, and spending time with the Lord, but they're going into the presence of the Lord to find revelation to impart to others. So they're going to him to get revelation that they are to impart in others. It also means that he's, uh, they're being dispatched to stand in front of people. So they go into the presence of the Lord. They wait on the Lord. They speak with the Lord. They spend time with the Lord. Then he gives them an assignment or dispatches them to go stand before his people. And we're going to look here in just a minute get with the message that he has. So, <clears throat> so his job is to speak on the behalf of the Lord to the people. And he's to have the clearest communication before the Lord to receive what he has. Hallelujah. So number three, uh, so one, they go before the Lord. Secondly, they are to stand before people. Uh, the next pro application of prophemy is speaking on behalf of the Lord. Speaking on behalf of the Lord. So it describes the prophet's responsibility to speak on God's behalf. He is not his own spokesman. He doesn't say, thus saith the Lord, unless the Lord said. Amen. Amen. And a lot of folks that are not, that are even saying, thus saith the Lord. Okay, we'll just leave that one alone. <laughs> he doesn't have the right to add his own interpretation or to alter the message or modify it. He doesn't have the right to do that. Prophemy, his job is to speak on behalf of the Lord. He is the clearest channel of communication that can be. So he's to stand before the Lord, go into the Lord's presence. Third, uh, secondly, he is to stand before the people. Thirdly, speaking on behalf of the Lord to the people. And number four, he speaks in advance of something. Speaks in advance to something. So this carries with it the sense of predictive, uh, the, of a predictive ability and can be translated as one who speaks in advance, meaning that they see something, they know something, they've had a dream, they've had a vision. The Lord has given them revelation. He's spoken something to them so, uh, ahead of time before something happens. So they will prophesy something that is going to take place or begin to speak or something he says in the spirit or begin to predict something that he sees in advance. And all of this is important in understanding the office of prophet. Because uh, just as it was in, uh, we're going to look at a, a scripture in Peter, just as it was in the early church, there were good, true prophets and there were false prophets. And Peter were talk, was talking about this along, those, uh, along these lines to get people to see that there are two <laughs> Remember, it says that they speak for the, um, the portal of the spirit. So there's two applications of it, the God side of it, and there's an enemy side of it. And so all of this is important in understanding the ministry of the prophet. So 2 Tim, I'm sorry, 2 Peter, verse 1, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 20. And Peter says here, knowing this, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. So Peter here is making a distinction between saying how real prophet, prophets do not operate. So he's saying that real prophets don't operate on their own. 
It's not up to private interpretation. It's not of their own will and it's not of themselves. Real prophets do not have the ability to loose something uh, or say something on their own will. Real prophets cannot self-project at will. And what this means is that they just can't do things on their own. They have to be in the presence of God. They have to receive something from the Spirit of God in order to do anything. They can't turn God on and can't turn him off. And you start tipping over into the other side of the supernatural doing that. And let me just throw this out right here. Even uh, with that, with her particular ministry, she can sense in the room when people are pulling on her for personal prophecy. I personally, myself, do not do it. I tell the Lord, Lord, you and I are friends. <laughs> and so uh, you know where I live. And if you need to talk to me, we could talk. But you don't have to do it in the sanctuary. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Now, uh, and I always put a caveat in there. If I'm dumb and stupid and I'm not hearing you right or, I'm, you know, I'm trying to do my own thing and go my own way, you perfectly have the right to talk to me. But if we don't have to do it openly, praise the Lord. But uh, so people feel that pressure to prophesy. Prophets feel that pressure to give you a word. And what they can do is tip over into that side that's not good because it's supernatural. And so they have to walk a fine line with God, uh, talking about going before. They have to know it's him. We were praying today, and uh, we were praying regarding ministry gifts and all that. And the Lord brought up the fact that Moses, remember he had a rod. And when he laid his rod down, it turned into a serpent. But who else had a rod that, lay, that turned into a serpent? So there was something, the magi magicians, Pharaoh's magicians. So there was a su two supernatural occurrences, but one of them was God and one of them was not. And we have to know the difference. Amen? We have to know. And his, his snake swallowed up the rest of them, of course. But uh, even in this last day, as miracles and signs and wonders started happening, one of the things we prayed out today is that you're going to have to know what kingdom they're from. You're going to have to know and discern. You, just as the prophet goes before the Lord, we're going to have to know him too. Hallelujah. All right. So real prophets don't operate on their own. And then the renter interpretive version of 2 Peter 1.20 says, Knowing this uh, first, that no prophecy of the scripture or prophetic movement is self-willed or self-projected by one's own will. It simply doesn't happen that way. So what Peter is saying here, there is no prophecy that's left up to private interpretation. you doing your own thing. you being self-willed. You're projecting your own. Then Peter is describing how prophets receive the scripture and how prophets hear from God, how they gave, uh, how they gave the scripture. So let's look at... Uh, 2 Peter 1.21. So how does real prophecy operate? For prophecy never came by the will of man. For prophecy never came by the will of man. Now, meaning that in, even in the Old Testament, it didn't come by them deciding they're going to prophesy, them deciding they, they were going to do something. It came by the Spirit of God. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but, and he tells us how it came, but holy men of old spoke as they were moved, moved by the Holy Spirit. And that word moved there is the description of uh, ships that are carried by the wind. It denotes a ship whose, sail, whose sails were set to catch the wind. So what he's saying here in the, the Greek description by Rick Renner is that uh, prophets, when they go in before the Lord, what they do is they set their sails up and, uh, and they position themselves to hear from God. And if God's not talking, they just wait. 
but they keep their sails up or keep their antenna, we would say. They keep their sails up so that when he does start moving, they can move with him because they're in position already. And so they go in before the presence of the Lord and they set their sail. They set their hearts to hear before the Lord. And not only that, by them going before him and sitting before him and staying in his presence like that, when if he's not moving, when he gets ready to move, they're sensitive enough to know God's moving. And they begin to move with him. And it's easier for them. They have a sensitivity to him. When he wants to move or he wants to do something in a service, when he wants to speak to someone, when uh, we've had her here in the services before, and the back wall disappeared. We were over in the other building. The back wall disappeared, and she's seeing fighter jets in Africa. <laughs> that's not, you know, um, it's not something that's, predicted but because she had her antenna up to follow her follow him follow the holy spirit whichever way he wants to go her sail is up and so when the wind starts moving the wind started moving to africa and she went to africa and there were fighter jets and then somebody went out to their car and turned on uh news radio and uh they were talking about fighter jets being dispatched in africa at that very moment so we want her to go into the present or prophets because we've got some, even though in our pastors, they operate a prophetic office. We want them to go before the Lord, receive of the Lord what they're supposed to get and be able to move with him when he's ready to move. Amen. Amen? Set their sail with him. Hallelujah. Uh, so a real prophet spends time uh, sensitizing themselves to the spirit. So if he does say something or he does move, they're in position to catch the wind. The Holy Ghost pro propels them and he will give them prophetic movement. The prophet is totally dependent on the wind of the Holy Spirit. Again, they can't say anything they, just like Jesus. I don't do anything I don't see my father do and I don't say anything I don't hear my father say. That's how the prophet's ministry operates. So there, if there is no prophetic movement, there's no prophetic wind. If God is not moving, they're not moving. And so according to Peter, real prophetic ministry operates uh, not self-willed, not self-projected. They set their sail in God. And so a prophets spend a lot of time by themselves in solitude so they can hear. Because there, uh, there are this pulling of the world. There is this pulling of humankind wanting an answer, wanting direction and all of that. We've got the Holy Spirit, guys, on the inside of us. In the Old Testament, they didn't have the Holy Spirit on the inside. And he was only upon the prophet, the priest, and the king. So if you were going to hear from God, that's where you had to go, was to the prophet, priest, and king. But the Holy Spirit has come. If you're born again, he lives on the inside of you. Amen. And what the prophets do, they come in. If God is saying something to the body of Christ, then they're coming to deliver or impart what God is saying to the body to move and go this way as the body of Christ. But we as an individual don't need prophets in our lives. We have the greatest counselor in our ever <laughs> living on the inside of us. And it's a more sure word of prophecy. He's with you always. I, you know, not all the time can you call her up or anybody else up on the phone. Dial, you know, uh, 911 prophet. But on the inside of you, you've got the Holy Ghost. So my, uh, I might have a friend. Uh, she prays for Dr. Mary Francis. So I asked her about praying for these meetings coming up. And uh, these are a couple of th things she said. Um, so in praying for the office of the prophet or even ministry gifts altogether, praying for their spirit to be, uh, uh, like Rick Renner says, hoist their sails and be sensitive to the spirit, being able to move with God. So with her, uh, my friend said, she said, prayer affects how she moves with the spirit at large. And uh, she has found that in our church it's easy for her to move because we prepare. 
we, we get you ready. This is part of getting you ready to receive her gift. Amen. And however God wants to move, not our favorite way, not just for me, but uh, at large, what does he want to do? And operating in the corporate anointing, something the Lord has been showing me with the corporate anointing, like we're all gathered here in this place tonight. I have an anointing. You have an anointing. Whoever is in this room, every one of us in Acts chapter 8, this talks about how we have been given um, uh, 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 an anointing to witness. So we have an anointing on the inside of us. There will never be another time when these people in this room have gathered together in the corporate anointing and our streams coming together in worship and praise and honor to God. There will never be another time like this. Because if you add one more person, that, that it changes the dynamic of it, right? And so in these meetings, in the corporate anointing, we want God's highest and best uh, for the office of prophet. You know, if, um, again, going back to personal prophecy, that's the lowest form that a prophet can operate in. Why? Because you have the Holy Spirit. You can talk to him yourself. Amen. And so when we have a, a gift that comes in that carries uh, that prophetic anointing like that, we don't want them down here. Because down here, we, there's some things that you can see. But when you go up a little higher... You can see things on a broader perspective up here. And uh, let's turn to Luke chapter 3 real quick. Luke chapter 3. And this is John the Baptist. And John the Baptist was a prophet. And what it said of his office, uh, we'll just look briefly at this. Let me have to put my spectacles on. This tiny writing. We'll blame it on the writing. Hallelujah. So it says of John the Baptist, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare you the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled, every mountain and hill shall be brought low. The crooked shall be made straight and rough places made smooth. And all flesh shall see the salvation of God. So again, with this particular office, we always think that this office has to work in a church because that's where we've seen it operate the most. But John the Baptist is in the desert. He's not in the temple. He's in the desert. And so in the desert, he begins to lift his voice up, and he's affecting the landscape of that place with his voice. The, voice, the, the landscape is changing. What's high is being made low. What's low being made high. What's crooked is being made straight. What's rough is being made smooth. And not only that, it says in... Uh, verse 10. And the people asked him, saying, what shall we do then? So his voice started affecting the common folk of the day. I have it written down here. His voice is setting things in motion. And now go down to verse 12. Then also publicans uh, came to him to be baptized and said unto him, Master, what shall we do? He started affecting the government on the backside of a desert, setting things in motion. In verse 14, and the soldiers likewise demanded of him, saying, What shall we do? Military. So he's affecting the common folk. He's affecting the religious leader of the day. He's affecting the military. And if you look over in Matthew 3, uh, 3, 7. Oh, went too far. Matthew is in my Bible. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism, he said to them, O generation of vipers. He didn't like them a whole lot. And so the religious leaders of the day. So him lifting his voice up, not uh, he affected the common people of the day. He affected the, uh, the government. He affected the military might. And he affected the religious leaders all on the backside of a desert when he lifted up his voice. 
And so when that gifting comes into a room, we want them to be able to do the same thing, to, to have the highest place of anointing, not just, you know, come in and prophesy to me. I need to hear from God from you. And that's great that you got yours. But what about the rest of the room? And not only that, what about the body of Christ? What about our nation? What about the world? There are things that I remember she, there was a, in a particular church, there was a, a person that were, uh, she had ministered to and she had told them that they weren't supposed to be in that position anymore. She saw some things on them that they were supposed to move on and they refused and they just stood. They said, no, that's not me. I don't know what she's talking about. Uh, that's not me. And so this was years later. She just happened to ask, what about this person? And someone said to them, well, they're still there. They're still in that position. And uh, after you prophesied and ministered to them, uh, they, they just uh, dug their heels and said, I'm not going anywhere. And right there in her living room, she began to lift up her voice. And within weeks, that person was out of that position. So they don't have to be in a church service. They could be anywhere, putting luggage in their car. And the Spirit of God come on them and begin prophesying. So we want the highest and best uh, or the office of prophet. And then uh, the very fact that our pastors are having her in means that God has purposes for this meeting. These meetings, the Sunday morning, both services, Sunday night. God has purposes for this meeting. And we don't want those purposes left undone. So we make a stand up. You guys go ahead and stand up. We go and we make a way for that ministry gift and for, for God to have and do. And if she um, uh, has something even for our pastors to minister to our pastors and uh, to minister to them and speak to them, we want that to take place. And you know, I'd much rather that she say things to them and minister to them because they're leading this ship. They're leading this deal, and they're going to navigate us where we need to go. And, you know, and us, as knowing that they're our, sheep, our, our shepherds and that God has called us here, so when God gives vision and God talks to them, we just follow the Spirit of God in them. You know, uh, another thing that prophets do, that, uh, Nancy mentioned to me, uh, she said, prophets mend the body of Christ back together. Have we seen any division in the body of Christ lately? Uh, <clears throat> we're going to have just a few minutes here. But uh, with the, going back to the prophets of Baal, they were dividing uh, Israel. And they were ca causing the hearts of uh, the Israelites to go to idol worship, to Baal worship. And God wasn't real happy about that. And so what he did was he told Elijah to anoint Elisha, and, uh, who was a prophet in his room, and Jehaziel, who was a military um, man, and Jehu, who was a king. He told, he had, the Lord had him, Elijah, anoint these three men to get Baal worship out of Israel. What were they doing? Mending the hearts of the people back together towards God. They were eradicating. And if you go back and read in uh, 2 Kings 9, how Jehu did it, he meant to do what he did. He got all the Baal worshipers together, invited them to a party, said, we don't want anybody from the Lord thy God that worship the Lord God. This party is just for you. He put them in a barn and burned them all. That's a way to get rid of idol worship. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> But we want them to operate and, and function to the highest degree of that anointing in this room for these meetings that God has ordained. Father God, we just come before you tonight and we thank you for this ministry gift. We thank you for the, uh, the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist and pastor and teacher. Father, we thank you that Jesus gave them to us as gifts and to the body of Christ. Father, I thank you for, uh, for each and every one of them. I thank you that the spirit of the Lord is upon them, for you have anointed them to stand in those offices. Father, you've anointed them for uh, these last days. You've anointed them to speak. You've anointed them to flow and operate with you. You've anointed them to affect the people that they've been sent to you. You deliver them from the people that you've sent them to. Father, we thank you that in these gifts, and you guys, you know, if you don't have any other ministry gifts that you can pray for, you can pray for your pastors right now. And lift up your voice. Let me hear you. 
And so, Father, we thank you for these gifts. You gave them to us. And so we're lifting them up before you right now. And so, Father, we thank you for the particular gift of the Office of Prophet and Dr. Mary Francis Varello. Father, we thank you for the corporate anointing that each and every one of us are coming together in this place. Father, bringing our individual anointings together into a corporate setting. You told the man of God in Kenneth Hagin that the strongest anointing on the earth was the corporate anointing. And so, Father, we set uh, uh, the... Uh, the flow for those meetings in the corporate anointing. Father, we thank you for your highest and best for this particular office, that there will be no hindrance, there will be no delay in when she takes the stand, when she takes the pulpit. Father, I thank you immediately. She's operating and moving the way that you want her to move, teaching, preaching, however you want to use her. And Father, we're not going to dictate how we want things. Father, we thank you for operating and, and operating the way that you want to. We thank you, Father, that they stand before you. They go, she goes in your presence. We thank you, Father, that she comes and stands before us. We thank you, Father, that she delivers the message that you've given to her, her. And we thank you, Father, that if there's things out in the future that we need to know about, that needs to be released in the earth, that need to be spoken, words that need to be spoken in this realm, by this office, under the anointing, that are going to be in these services. Father, we thank you for her being able to do so. And we thank you, Father, on behalf of the people. We thank you, Father. Our hearts are receptive. We respond to her. We go with that anointing. Whatever you tell her to do, we go with that anointing. We walk with that anointing. Father, whatever you're wanting to do in the midst of us, we're not dictating our own way and how we want things to be. But, Father, we want your highest and best to be released in this place. A spirit of seeing and knowing. A spirit of seeing and knowing being released. Father, we thank you on all these ministry gifts in these last days. For the next three, six, nine months, they will know exactly what to do, where to put their foot. What's next for them? In Jesus' name. Their eyes are to see. Their ears are to hear. They have a knower on the inside. We thank you, Father, that you're pouring out of your spirit on all flesh. You're pouring out your spirit on the apostles. You're pouring out of your spirit on the prophets. You're pouring out your spirit on the evangelists. You're pouring your spirit out on the pastors. You're pouring out of your spirit on the teachers. On all flesh. We thank you, Father. You're pouring your spirit out on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. You're moving on your servants and your maid servants. Father, we thank you. You're pouring yourself out. We thank you for the rain. We thank you for the rain of the Holy Ghost. We thank you for the rain. <laughs> we thank you for the rain, for your glory falling down. We thank you, Father, in these last days. In this generation, they will see and they will know, Father, everything that you have preordained for them to have. Father, they will not go without. What will happen in this generation will pale in comparison to what we've seen in the past. Father, because you said greater. You said greater. Jesus said greater works that we would do. So we set sail. We set sail on your flow. We set sail with you, Father, in these meetings. Father, a wide door, a wide door of utterance, a wide door of utterance in these meetings. Utterance and unction. And the prophet, wide, 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 wide door. And Father, we thank you that anointing will affect the areas that you're wanting to affect. That as she lifts up her voice, Father, she yields to you as she sets her sail hoist herself, Father, to see the wind of the Spirit and move with Him. Hallelujah. In the midst of us. And we'll move with her. We'll move with her. Not having our own way, but we'll move with her. 
Bakashera Bangaskara Brasovadegeaman. Deda Brangaba to impart to us. To impart to us. Bakashera. And that's something else, guys, when she is uh, ministering, very often she'll say, she'll say in the, in the meetings, um, she'll say, I have this on my life and I impart that to you. And that's our cue to receive of what she's offering. And so she said, I have prosperity working in my life. She said, I impart and I release that to you. That's our cue. Father, I receive. I receive what you have. I have favor on my life. And Father, uh, I, re- I impart that to you. I release that to you. Father, I receive of that. That favor. That the favor that's on her life is the same favor that's on my life. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. These guys, you know, that stand in these offices, they're voices of the last days. And they have everything being thrown at them to quit, and some of them have. Some of them, uh, you know, have shipwrecked that are called to minister in these last days. They need to be back in position. And rather than when... uh, uh, leaders in the body of Christ, when things start happening, if we see that things are off, pray for them. Not just throw them away and you know, cast them aside. I can't believe, pray for them. That's when they need us the most is when things are not going right. Hallelujah. There was a term years ago that says we're the only organization that shoots our wounded. That's a bad testament of the church. We need to pray for that they stay steady, they stay the course. You know, one of the things I, I've said of my uh, pastors uh, in Nashville where I attended church there, and I've said it here too for the last 19 years, I want to be the one jumping in the back. When the Lord says, uh, well to them, Pastor Barker, Pastor Rhonda, well done, that good and faithful servant, enter now in the joy of the Lord, I want to be the one, Yay! Praise God. We help them got there. Amen. Amen. And praying for them is selfish too. Because if they're operating, they're doing what they're supposed to do, that means that they're operating in the best to give us what we need. So think of it that way. You're praying for yourself in a way. You pray for them to be the highest and best that they are. You're praying for you to get what you need from God. Amen. Hallelujah. We hope you're inspired by today's message. If you want to hear more from the Word of God, head over to cwol.org. Check us out on YouTube or any social platform under at Seawall Madison. We believe God is working within you, and we want you to know Him so you too can make Him known.